We have been so looking forward to the year 2020. And I remember dreaming about this year as we sat in our home in Sydney 10 years ago, thinking about what God was gonna do as we moved to New York City to Pioneer Liberty Church. And now we sit here on our ninth birthday and it's the year 2020 and we can't believe what God has done. He gave us this vision that we would impact 10 communities by the year 2020. And here we sit looking back over the years going, God, that's what you've actually done. You've impacted 10 communities and more. And we're in awe of the goodness of God and everything that has taken place as we've grown together as Liberty Church. It's true, there's just so much to celebrate as we look at all that God has done um, in and through us in these early years. And you can't help but wonder what could another decade bring as we just continue to follow Jesus, thrive in community and make a difference together. You know, I think we're as passionate as we've ever been about you know, what's often called the Great Commission. You know, Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28, he said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. You know, that's actually his last command, but I think it's a challenge to ask ourselves if Jesus' last command is still our first priority. Are we still committed to making disciples, to reaching nations and generations? And my hope and prayer as you listen to these stories is that you're gonna be inspired by people just like you and me, who've made the decision to answer Jesus' call to go. My name's April, and I am a wife, a mom of two kids, and also a marketing leader for one of the largest high-tech companies in the world. And about 10 years ago, I had an incredible opportunity to come to New York City as part of a promotion to lead a team here in the city. And it had always been a dream to come to New York, but never thought we'd have the opportunity to come and actually live here. And as newlyweds, my husband Lincoln and I thought, It'll be an adventure. You know, we'll come, we'll be here for a couple of years, and best case scenario, we'll have had great work experience, and then we'll go back to Vancouver, Canada, where uh, was our hometown. Clearly, God had other plans, um, because a few months after we arrived in the city, we felt like we had an answered prayer. And through some friends in Vancouver, we found uh, the names Paul and Andy Andrew, and learned that they were starting a church in New York City. So we thought, great, we want to get planted in a church community and quickly really fell in love with the people and those early days. We found that we had really found our heart and our home in Liberty Church, and it has been one of the greatest joys and, and privileges of our life to be part of this community. A number of years ago, I was asked by our president in addition to my marketing role, to also be our global lead for diversity and inclusion. And that has been one of the greatest honors and the greatest privileges of my life, to be able as a minority and as a woman myself, to be able to lead um, some very big topics for our organization, whether it's thinking about how we uplift women, thinking about how we bring in people within the autism spectrum, and also thinking about where there's underrepresented ethnic groups. Over the years, I've also been able to be part of uh, a women's commission at the United Nations or speaking live from the Stock Exchange in New York City. These were sort of these pinch me moments that I never thought was possible in my journey from a work perspective. So I feel like it's in a lot of ways, you know, God's goodness. 
I used to always think of my work in ministry and in serving as somewhat separate to my work um, in the marketplace. And as I have stepped into particularly the diversity and inclusion space, I've really seen the Father's heart for reconciling where people have not had the opportunity to live out their calling and his heart to bring justice and to level the playing field in many ways. As much as I have done this work, I see where people come together in truth and in unity and in love is so much more productive than a lot of the blame and shame conversations that you often see. And time and time and again, where people come together in that spirit, I have seen the most progress on these topics that are often very difficult, especially in the workplace. In this journey, what has been challenging is really being willing to go through the journey and not just seek the destination. And um, despite all the success, there has been hard days. And when you're in a high performance environment, it can be very easy to fall to comparison um, or to feel like you're not good enough or you're not moving fast enough. And I've really had to surrender to the Lord that I have enough where I am right now. And I've really struggled with always wanting to feel like I'm one step ahead. But time and time and again, the Lord has told me just to keep walking and to surrender. The times that were tough and challenging have often been before our greatest breakthroughs. And I truly believe that God wastes nothing and that every seed that you plant, He will bring it to fruition. Because that's been true in our life and I know it's been true in countless lives across our church and across our community. My name is Bongile Smelane. I just want to tell you my story, going with the Lord. I've been to Liberty since the launch, and I've joined the team, the host team, for some times. Then after that, I became a captain. What I love about the host team is um, meeting people. What I've noticed is that you are the one who meet people first and who makes people comfortable in a church. So being in a host team, what I love is that they start with us, make friends with us, connect, you know, know each other. By the time they, they go with their journey, we, we know them. Being someone who's bringing people into church, I feel happy because I feel like there are people who are struggling but they don't know what to do. They don't know where to start. If that person can receive what I've received, if that person can experience what I've experienced, if that person can get the help I've got, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I'm working in the market, and at the market, there are my colleagues there. Actually, when I went to Liberty, I started going to Liberty alone with my family and not my colleagues. Then as time goes, what I've noticed is that in order for people to do what you are doing, in order for people to follow you, there must be that thing in me that, so that they can feel like I should follow this person. I think she has taken the right path.
and I myself, I'm at the market to make disciples on them. I'm the one who needs to bring the light on them. So I'm working with my colleagues, like in Genau, I've got another lady, Lausile, is going to Liberty with the kids. I've got Namsi, and now I started going to Liberty with the family, even the husband is going to, so that's very good to me. Me, I feel like, oh God, this is what they've called me to do. I feel happy, I feel like what I'm doing, the people around me, they see something. There's something that they see in me. So, so happy about that. One of my memories, it's when Pastor Lou was like, Spongle has invited a lot of people here at Liberty. And if you have been in, invited by Spongle, can you stand up? And everyone was like, and we like, oh. <laughs> And it was a surprise. All these people, you know. <laughs> what God has done is so amazing. It's so amazing. I don't know where to start. I don't know where to end. Looking back where I am now, it's like a dream to me. Because God is very amazing to me. We moved to New York City actually in 2011 and the last three or four years in New York we were actually at Liberty. We were at a team night, an all-team meeting in June of 2018 and it was actually the one where Johnny and Tasha, who are the Liberty London pastors, were being commissioned and prayed for by Paul and Andy and the team to be sent to London. And I looked over at my wife, and she was kind of crying softly. I kind of got this strange feeling in my chest, like, maybe we should go with them. And uh, that's obviously something that's a big deal. So I was even nervous to say it. On the way home, I was like, what happened there? I had tears streaming down my face because I heard in my spirit the Lord say, um, go with them, I am sending you. And I was just in awe of the spirit and what that would mean for us as a family. I was too nervous to say what I'd heard, which was, we should go with them too. Peter has worked for his company for 17 and a half years now, and he has worked really hard and diligently, and so he has great favor with the owner of the company. I literally just went in front of him one day, a week or two later, and said, you know how God talked to people in the Bible and the Old Testament, and these people had obeyed God because God called them and told them to go. While I feel like God still speaks to people today, and I feel like he's telling our family to move to London mm -hmm. and help these friends start a church. And he basically said, go for it. Just make sure you're working American hours. And that's obviously a big deal because I'm the COO of the company and I'm based in New York City and our whole company basically is based in America. It actually turned out I probably witnessed to more people about God's power and faithfulness and my love for Him and that stretch of transitioning than I had in the whole prior time to New York City. I think it's just a great opportunity and a witnessing tool about how much we trust God and love God and are doing His will no matter what, even if it's crazy. 
This house has been a real big part of our journey. I mean, it's where we live and we've raised our children and we've had great memories, but it's also been where we've hosted weekly dinners here to get people familiar with what a church will look like, what Liberty's like. And here we are coming to England. We're moving our entire family for a church, for God, and it's a sisterhood house. I was looking at the blue placard and it read, in this home, in March 26, 1845, began the first sisterhood of the Church of England since the Reformation. These women had also given up their lives to be a part of God's church and his kingdom. So we've been in London for 15 months now, and it hasn't always been totally smooth sailing. And uh, it's been a stretching and painful even experience. Both of us have cried multiple times about parenting, especially, or just transition in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when we answer the call of God to come to London, like that's not just for Peter and I, that's for our children. And so even though like they have really struggled to leave everything they knew behind, their whole lives were really in New York, but like I know that's a call for all of us. It's our best life to be in God's will for us here in London. So even when my children and family are struggling with trials and tribulations, I do know that we're on the right path, and He has come to give me an abundant life, so that's the encouragement for the hard times. He's been with us every step of the way, even though it hasn't been easy. Even like Paul, he had challenges along the way, shipwrecks and beatings and imprisonments and things like that. Thankfully, we haven't had any of those, but looking back, it's really the best decision we could have made for, for ourselves, for me personally, for Laura personally, for our family and then for Liberty London. You know, it never ceases to amaze me all the different ways that the Holy Spirit leads different people to answer that, that call to go. To go make disciples of all the nations, or in one of the other gospels, Jesus says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. But we're all called to go. You know, some are, we're going into our neighborhood or our communities, some going into different marketplaces or industries, some literally going to other nations to take the good news, the gospel uh, of Jesus to the world, you know. But we're all called to go. I remember. Really clearly, years ago, um, the Holy Spirit speaking to me um, through, of all things, how the movie Titanic, when it first came out. The scene toward the end of the movie as the, as the ship really goes under, and it's dark and it's cold and it's really palpable for me. Um, as people jumped into the sea and this sense of helplessness and hopelessness and there's a particular moment I remember in the film where really anger rose up in me and judgment um, because there's a, there's a scene where some of these lifeboats, um, they begin to row away from the people who are drowning. I remember the judgment because, you know, it was so hard to watch as people drown that some of these lifeboats are half full and actually um, people put their fingers in their ears to block out the sound of people drowning around them. Maybe for self-preservation, you know, they don't rock my boat, they begin to row away. And as the judgment, really the condemnation began to rise in my heart, I remember the Holy Spirit saying to me, Paul, that's my church. 
And I realized how often I myself have been guilty of blocking my ears, of rowing away, of being content in my half-full lifeboat, while all the world around me so desperately needs the hope and the peace and the freedom that I've found in Jesus. I think it's important for us to remember who the church is for. William Tyndale said, the church exists for those outside it. We're a lifeboat. And we need to never forget that the, the vision of our church is to know Christ, but it's also to make him known. That the values of our church are love, truth, freedom, and family. But let's never forget that that fifth value is others. It's a family that's not all about itself. It's a, it's a family that's about others. I, I believe in recent months, the Holy Spirit has been telling me it's the year of harvest. Church, let's answer his call to go into all the world, make disciples of all the nations. Let's answer his call to go to be the workers that he could send into the harvest that none should perish and all should have everlasting life in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, happy Vision Sunday, church. I just love the vision video every year, and I pray it really blessed you and inspired you and evoked something in you. And I just want to take a couple of minutes to really begin to break down what does this look like contextually in our own lives, in our everyday lives? How do we make disciples? How do we go out into all the world? What does this look like in your context? You know, as I sat with the Lord at the very beginning of the year, you know, everyone was like posting about the next decade and the year 2020 and you start feeling all this pressure you're like god what is my word for the year and like lord what am i supposed to do and 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 how does this outwork for me and do you know what was so interesting as i sat with god there was nothing flashy that he said to me he said remain faithful andy remain faithful and remain faithful to the call on your life, remain faithful to loving people, remain faithful to your husband, to your children, to the church, to the call of God, just remain faithful. Because if you really think about what faithfulness does, it actually glorifies God. People go, you're consistent, you keep going, you keep showing up. And I was like, okay, well, I can do that. And, and then I began to see the picture of the whole church across the earth. I saw, in a way, in this vision, and I saw that there is this great shift that's taking place even over the next decade. If you notice in your own world, there are people all around you that are completely hungry for something real. People are aware of the spiritual, whether they say it or not. Maybe they talk about the stars or astrology or, or that they're spiritual people. There are people that are hungry and they know that there's another realm. They know that something else exists. And the Lord started to show me there is a generation rising up that wants the real thing. And I was like, okay, yeah, I see that, God, but about the remaining faithful part. And guess what he did? Even in that moment, he took me back to where we began, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. How do we break this down in the most simplistic form where we can add to our numbers daily those who are being saved? How can we sit across the table from someone and lead them into the love of God? What does that actually 
look like? Well, why don't we just bring it back to the Word of God? Let me read to you Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, which are actually some of my favorite parts of Scripture in the Word of God. It shows us how to continue to be faithful, how to model church, how to do church not just on a Sunday, but in our everyday lives as we bring Jesus and we bring the church wherever we go. It says this, It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Do you hear all of those things that are super simple, that are broken down, that are part of our Christian life? It says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. There was a commonality. There was a unity. Jesus was at the middle of everything. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone that had need. If that doesn't challenge your your view of giving, I don't know what does. To give, to take care of one another, that's a whole nother level. It says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Now just think about that. There was gathering in the temple courts. That's what we're doing today. We're gathering to praise God in the temple courts to hear the teaching of, of the leaders in the church. We are, um, we're praying together, and then we'll probably go out and break bread together. I don't know about you, but with a fast and in, I can believe that some of you are breaking bread. And so we're going to break bread together. We're going to see signs, wonders, and miracles. And as we do that in our everyday lives, as we glorify God, what does it say? He added to their numbers daily those who are being saved. You know, recently I connected with a beautiful friend and I'm just realizing, even as we talked about God, it's just through my everyday life where she began to ask questions about God. And and I love that. It wasn't like I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to preach the gospel to you. No, it was just within my everyday life. I began to be able to open the door to the gospel, to the good news. I'm going to finish on this scripture. Matthew 5, 16 says, keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Just got me thinking about the simplicity in Acts, how people opened up their homes, how they broke bread together, and how it glorified God. And I think about you as you walk this out, that this is not just a Sunday where we watch a beautiful video and are inspired, but we can give this traction where we can begin to be strategic with how we open up our homes with our neighbors, with our loved ones, and we break bread with them. I think you'll be amazed at how your life begins to glorify God and people will start asking questions. What is that that you have? And as God gets the glory, the gospel will open up and I believe we will see a year of harvest. Come on, why don't we really praise God? for all that He has done. I um, really honour the incredible team that have laboured in love in recent weeks to craft these stories um, that I think just remind us of um, who God is and who He's made us to be. It's your birthday. Not just for us collectively as a church. You know, we... We celebrate this last Sunday of January every year. We call it Vision Sunday, but it's really a birthday service. It's nine years today, but it's not only nine years for us collectively, it's nine years for Liberty Church downtown. This is actually where it all began, this community. 
Not so many blocks from here, up on Canal Street in what used to be the Tribeca Cinemas, where it all began on a much colder, might I say, winter's day than today, which is almost spring-like out there. I'm not complaining, I'm just saying. And uh, to look what God has done in these years since. And to think, you know, we, we, of course, the vision of our church has always been both local and global. Um, you know, to watch the unfolding stories of grace that just come out through people's lives, like these three, but there's thousands more. Actually, in many ways, you can think about these three and how they trace their roots back to what God's doing here in this community specifically. Obviously, April, April and Lincoln and Hudson, Ava, they call Liberty downtown home, but so did Peter and Laura. If you've been, if you knew her around here, the family that moved to, to London did it from this community. And so why do I say that? Not, I, look, I, I, we never want to get to a place where we make it about ourselves, but it is good to take stock. It is good. You know, the children of Israel, when they got through the Red Sea, the children of Israel, when they crossed the Jordan into their promised land, there, there was something they did on a few occasions where each of the tribes would take a stone and they'd build a memorial so that the generations would look back and say, look what God did. That's what these days are about. It's not about self-congratulations. It's actually, if anything, it's like all the praise, all the glory and all the honour be unto Him. This is far beyond anything that we could ever do. We used to say in the early days, like this is not the Paul and Andy show. And I think like it's long since stopped even needing to be said because because God is doing something in our days that I believe, you know, we wouldn't have even believed it if we had been told it. He is good. And there's more. Every time we stop and we celebrate, every time we just lift our eyes to Him again, it's like we look again to the future and maybe we look at these stories and think, if God can do it for them, He can do it for me. As we, we look in God again, starts a new campfire, you know, sets a new table in a, in a new city like London where every week more are coming, more are coming, more are finding hope and answers like we have found in Jesus. It encourages you and I, like Andy said, to remain faithful, to keep on turning up, to not underestimate the power of our own presence, our own faith, that God does something collectively. In fact, the scripture says that where there is unity, God commands a blessing. So, you know, in this time of beautiful, exciting, honouring transition that we're in right now, if you've been around in recent weeks, you know, we're in a leadership transition as we, you know, bless and send Cody and Ashley and the boys into their new season. We're also welcoming, really promoting from within our midst, new leadership to take Liberty Church downtown into a brand new and exciting season. And I believe hand on heart, the greatest days we've ever experienced are right in front of us. So it's a huge privilege for me to just really to introduce someone who needs no introduction, but to bring a short word for us around this idea of vision, both local and global, our incoming community pastor, Dawn Sadler. Can we give her great honour? Come on as she arrives. Thank you so much for that. I just want to say, before I jump into the word, I just want to say that truly God only knows the sacrifices that the two of you have made to get us to this point. You have walked through dark nights of the soul that nobody knows about, and you have done it faithfully, and you have stayed the course, and because of you, we are all here. You know, I was sharing in the earlier service that back in the early days, we weren't here in the very beginning, but we were here early enough when Sunday services were still put together with duct tape and bubble gum, and... Um, 
And from there to here, but truly, only God knows what you have brought to us, what you have made possible. And Andy, I remember very early on, she's like, Don, you never forget anything I say. I don't. Um, she said, I want my ceiling to be the floor for everybody else. I want to build so that from here, people can continue to build. And the two of you have lived that out so beautifully and so well. And we love you and we are honored for all that you have poured into this house. Thank you so much. You know, I love that in the, um, in the video, the Matthew 5.16 that Andy read, I love that she used the message translation of that um, because it's really powerful. We're going to start there. And it says, now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine, keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, the generous Father in heaven. You know, as Andy said, it really is that simple. I think that we like to think of like the move of God as like some big splashy campaign or some huge initiative or like some 72-point plan. And trust me, no one loves a 72-point plan like I do. I do, hand to heart. But the truth is that none of that, none of that will ever be as effective as the simple act of a small generosity whether that is crossing the room to say hello to somebody who is here for the very first time, or whether it is reaching out to somebody that's going through a hard time and saying, hey, can I buy you coffee? Can I sit and just listen to you in this season? It is opening our hearts and our homes and saying, would you come over and just break bread? There's no special occasion. We just want to spend time with you. This is where the move of God happens. And the truth is, as Andy said, as she was reading from Acts, this is not something that we just do for other people. It is something that other people in community are doing for us. It is both and. It is uh, both giving and receiving. And um, when we do that, then we see a harvest not only in the lives of the people that we are called to serve, but also the harvest in our own life is increased as well. I love Luke... Um, Luke 6.38, which says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For, the measure, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And again, this is something that we are called to do together. Now, it seems like, okay, well, that's simple enough. Like, let's call it a wrap today. Let's get our cereal bar. Let's grab some coffee. Let's go home. We've, we're done, right? Except that it... Even though it's simple, it's not always easy. Let's look at that scripture again, this specific part. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. And this can be the tricky part in a place like New York, can it not? In a city that can feel at times like a revolving door, it can feel like we are pouring into people. It can feel like we are investing in them and they are investing in us, that we are walking hard miles together on the spiritual journey and then they are called somewhere else into another season and we're having to start over. Right. And that can be hard in our heart, can it not? Yes. 
And so how do we do this? How do we stay open? How do we keep our hearts open for the next person that God is putting in front of us to serve and to do life with when there's so much transition? Listen, I know that even though New York can feel like a revolving door, there are people in this city and even in this room who are thinking, I do not know what you're talking about. This is not a revolving door for me. I was born here. I was raised here. I will die here. I am a New Yorker to the core. I'm not going anywhere. And there are also people who were born in other places who come here and put down roots and raise their families here and build their businesses here and their careers here. But may it also be said that there is also truth to the fact that some people are called here by God for a season before he calls them somewhere else. So how do we keep our hearts open in this season? How do we keep our hearts open when there's so many people constantly leaving and coming and we have to remain open even when it's hard, even when our natural humanness, we want to retreat, we want to self-protect, we want to say, I can't do it again. How do we stay open? You know, I was wrestling with this question recently and I really felt God speak to me through a couple of things that happened. And I feel that God was not only speaking to me, but it was really a word for our entire community. The first thing happened um, in a, I was on Instagram and I was messaging a woman that many of us know. Her name is Miranda. And she is a member of this community, now serving as a missionary in Paris, where she works with immigrants. And I was messaging her, we had had an exchange, and I was telling her how amazing it was, all the fruit that she was seeing in her life as she stepped into this. And then she said something that was so profound to me. She said, you know, Don, this is your fruit too. See, Miranda had been in one of the very first community groups that I had ever led. To be honest, I don't remember anything about that community group. Not because I don't love Miranda, but because I've led 20 of them since. All I know is that God asked me to open my home. And I opened my home and she came into my home and something that I said or something that I prayed or something that happened that I have long ago forgot, if I even gave it a second thought at the time, was somehow deposited and by the power of Jesus Christ, the great force multiplier, that is now serving a purpose halfway around the world in Paris. And I thought, well, if that's true, how come you're living in Paris and I'm living in Queens? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I love Queens. But part of me was just wanting to dismiss it. If you know Miranda, you know she's generous and she's kind. And I'm like, that's just Miranda being Miranda. But God would not let me do that. Because the next day, I was on Instagram. It's possible I spend way too much time on Instagram. But I was on Instagram and I was messaging Laura Rendell, Rendell, Rendall, however, who you just met on the video. As Paul said, they were a part of our community and now they are building Liberty Church London. And I said, hey, how's it going? I gotta tell you, I really love seeing the pictures of your family and how much you're thriving in London. And then she said to me, you know, you're part of the reason we're here. I was like, what, God? 
And she said, at the time when we felt like God was calling us to London, you preached a sermon and there was something you said that confirmed that calling. I have no idea what that sermon was. I have no idea what the topic was. I know I've never said in a message, move to London. But there is something that happens when we are just obedient. God, I'm going to say the words that you want me to say on this platform, and I'm going to trust that this lands as you need it to land in order to fill your good and perfect purpose in the lives of the people who are here. Now, here's why I say that this is a message for our entire community. Many of you know Miranda. Many of you have walked with her, have prayed with her, have encouraged her. Maybe you served with her in Treasures, which is our outreach that she led. Many of you know Laura and Peter, and maybe you've prayed for their family or you've been in community group with them. But there are things that you are saying, prayers you are praying, community groups that you are joining, encouraging words that you are saying that you have long forgot, that you have never even given a second thought to. But because you felt led and you were obedient to that, that planted a seed in them that God is bringing to pass, is bringing a harvest in their life and the lives of the people that they are called to serve half a world away. See, some of us are like, where's my harvest? And God is saying, lift your eyes. This is your harvest. I think we often think about, as a church planting church, that we often think of multiplication as something that Paul and Andy do, or our church planners do, or something that happens at a corporate level. But it's not you and I. You and I are the multipliers. And it is not any more complicated than just a simple act of generosity, a simple act of reaching out, a simple act of opening our homes, a simple act of keeping our hearts open when we would rather retreat. You know, I don't want us to be a community that fears investing in people because they are here in this season and they will be gone in the next I want us to be a community that fears that people come here and it doesn't mean anything because we were too busy, because we were too busy self-protecting, because we were too busy chasing our own ambitions, because we were too busy asking, where's my harvest? Because we were just too busy to see what God wanted to do in that relationship, that person that he brought into our lives. It's the power of keeping our hearts open. You know, in two weeks, we are, with great sadness, going to say goodbye to our community pastors, Cody and Ashley Abercrombie, as they move on into their new season. But we want you to know, we all want you to know, we are changed because you were here. Because of what you've poured into premarital counseling, there are marriages that are going to flourish. Because of what you have helped people see, because you have shined the light and the hope of Jesus in dark places, generational bondage, chains will break and generations will know freedom. Because you showed up and loved with your whole heart in this season, even now as you step out, you have taught us how to love with our whole heart in the next season for those not yet here. 
you have planted seeds that will bring a harvest in this city for generations to come. Even as you leave and begin to plant more seeds 3,000 miles away, we love you. Come on, church. So you might be asking, what can I do? The city is so great. The needs are so big. What could I possibly do? You know, one of the things that I love about this community that's unique of all the Liberty communities is that we have, geographically speaking, a very rich legacy of the power of what one person can do. Just a few blocks from here, on September 23rd, it was a Wednesday, 1857, a man by the name of Jeremiah, he wasn't a theologian, he wasn't a pastor, he was a tradesman, but he had a heart to reach people in the same neighborhood that you and I walk around in. And so he rented a space at Fulton and William, and he printed up thousands of flyers, and he passed them out all over the city and invited people to this prayer meeting. And so on that day, he sat and he waited, and he waited, and he waited. And finally, one person showed up, and then another, and then another. Now, on that first day, only six people attended that prayer meeting. But that prayer meeting was anointed. Jesus, the great force multiplier, Within three months, there were prayer meetings all over the city. 50,000 people in New York City alone stopped every single day at noon to pray. It caught on beyond New York City. And within 18 months, what would be known as the Fulton Street Revival was responsible for more than a million people across the country accepting Christ as their Savior. So as the band comes, what about you? Jeremiah wasn't a theologian. He was a tradesman. You know, biblically we see, Paul and I were talking about this this week, biblically we see that some of the greatest work that Jesus did was not through the educated theologians and the high priests of the day. Not that there's anything wrong with that. He worked through ordinary, everyday, imperfect people who met this single requirement. They were simply willing to drop everything and follow Jesus. So what is God calling you to do? Maybe it's saying hello to somebody. Maybe it's asking somebody to coffee. Maybe it's opening your home and breaking bread. Maybe you have been coming for a while and you've been sitting on the sidelines and God is calling you to find your place on the field to join a team. Maybe you've been serving for a while and God is calling you up to new levels of authority and strategy or discipleship or leadership. You know, I was talking to Lincoln Critchlow, who's the husband of April, who we saw in the video, and he said, we went out and we bought a new dining room table. And he said, yeah, he said, April said, our table is too small. And as an act of faith for the people we will gather in our home and break bread with, we are going to go out and we are going to buy a really big dining room table. 
which I think is the most creative argument ever from a wife to a husband to justify a new furniture purchase. The harvest, hmm, it's not our job. God's job is the harvest. Our job is to simply sow seeds, seeds of obedience, of generosity, of faith, and of love. And if you're not sure where to start, may I suggest this simple prayer. Jesus, what would you have me do next? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you model for us love and generosity. We thank you that you call us. You tell us that you are the the mission field is ripe for harvest, but workers are few. We are your workers, Jesus. We are your workers today all over this place. We say, would you choose me? Equip me. Tell me the step that you would have me to take. We love you, Jesus. We are obedient. We give our hearts and our lives to you. We ask that you would be the great force multiplier, that there would be a harvest that we would not even know or see this side of heaven, but we know that you are always at work bringing it about. We ask for a rich harvest in our lives, in our church, in our city, in our workplace, in our families. Do what only you can do, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Happy birthday, church.